Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine Podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this January 2015 episode, we are celebrating a very special occasion, the 15th anniversary of Family Tree Magazine. So we're going to start off with our publisher, Allison Dolan, and managing editor, Diane Haddad. They're going to take us on a journey back through some of their memories over the past 15 years. Then, Diane and I are going to dig into some of the must-have tools for your genealogy research this year, and we're going to talk about the 15 fabulous Family Tree Tools sweepstakes. And I have invited some of the magazine contributors that you've come to know very well over the years to look into their crystal balls and tell us what they think we can look forward to in the world of genealogy in the next 15 years. And what I'm most excited about is we are going to hear from you throughout this very special episode. There is a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is over at the publisher and the editor's desk with Allison Dolan and Diane Haddad. This is Allison Dolan, publisher of Family Tree Magazine. This special 15th anniversary episode wouldn't be complete without a look back at the magazine's decade and a half of helping readers discover, preserve, and celebrate their family history. A Family Tree Magazine flashback, if you will. To take this trip down memory lane, I'm joined by Family Tree Magazine editor Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hi, Allison. Well, as some of our listeners and readers may know, you and I have been involved with Family Tree Magazine almost the entire 15-year history. In fact, you were working for our magazine's parent company when the magazine launched, but on a different publication, right? Yes, I was on a painting magazine, which was fun and great in itself, but um, so they were starting this genealogy magazine, and there was no staff at the time, so they just found people who didn't look busy and said, hey, (laughs) you do this, and you do this, and I did our scrapbooking column. Um, It was called Preserving Memories at the time, and it sort of kind of related to painting, so it worked out well. And I actually, after I moved away and so stopped working for that magazine, but I continued to do that Preserving Memories column on a freelance basis. Yeah, and it was about the time that that launch was happening and you were doing that column that... I got interviewed by FNW, our parent company, for an entry-level editorial job on a different publication, yet another one, and I met with Dave Frixell, who was the editorial director of the magazines, and he was very excitedly telling me about this new family history magazine that was launching, and I think I must have impressed him with my stories of traipsing around ancestral cemeteries with my grandma, because a few weeks later, um, F&W called and offered me a job with Family Tree Magazine, and so... um, Fortuitous turn of events. It was a fortuitous turn of events, and um, a few months later, I came on staff, and we started working together on that Preserving Memories column. I was your editor, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, luckily enough for me, and for you, I think, <laughs> um, a few years later when you came back to the Cincinnati area, 
Um, you applied for an open position as managing editor and came on staff, and so we were together again. Yeah, <laughs> forced to be reckoned with. That's right. <laughs> the rest is kind of history. We've um, been really. <laughs> <laughs> we've been working on Family Tree magazine ever since. Um, I'm curious for you, what are some of your favorite assignments, either editing or writing, that you've done <laughs> over the years? Because there have been a lot. There have. Um, well, selfishly, anything that teaches me something about my own family history is fun. So just about anything German. We had that German church records article that I think Rick, um, Rick Kroom wrote that I was like, oh, I'm going to have to do all of these things. It's really easy to get distracted when you're working on an article like that because you think, oh, let me just try this with my Leidenkotter family. There was a fun article about um, family history projects mm-hmm. that started with a Christmas gift exchange that my family did where um, a couple people did, like, old pictures of grandma or grandpa, and someone, my aunt, I think, made a little lap quilt. People were fighting over these things. <laughs> so... We did an article that was how to um, create projects like that that you could give somebody or keep as a keepsake that have to do with your family history. That was fun. Um, I remember distinctly having sort of a day where we stayed late at the office and mm-hmm. we were creating all of those crafts so that we could yeah. photograph them all for the magazine. Ironing the tombstone yeah. rubbing. <laughs> Which, do you remember making that rubbing? I do remember that. <laughs> and we were sort of in that cemetery a little bit surreptitiously because the office wasn't open and we really yeah. needed to get that tombstone rubbing accomplished for the photo shoot. So we were out there just sort of waiting for this police site. And there was a trip to Walmart, too, because we didn't have the right kind of interfacing. And on that same trip, I think somebody bought, like, 40 brooms (laughs) up to the register. Yeah, that was quite an adventure for Uh getting that article. Folks may not realize exactly what goes into bringing a a particular article or issue to publication. Sometimes there's much more than meets the eye. I think that one of my favorite um, assignments was probably when I went to Salt Lake City to write a guide to visiting Salt Lake City for genealogists, and so I sort of took off my publication editor hat and tried to be just a normal genealogist. And Sharon uh, Carmack, one of our contributing editors, um, was kind enough to show me the ropes. So I kind of got to explore microfilmed census indexes for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I found my great-great-grandfather's passenger records of coming over to America from Germany. So that was, like you said, (laughs) it's really cool working on a genealogy magazine that you get to try out these resources on your own family Uh and you find out all kinds of cool things. So it's like you get to do the research and you get paid for it, really. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's all part of the job. And I think that article concluded with an apology to anyone who was at the library when you made that discovery because there was a, a Yelp or, you know, something. Yeah, yeah, I got a little excited. Victory. Um, it, was, it was a great experience. Well, I think also one of the greatest things about working on Family Tree Magazine is the feeling that we're really helping people do something meaningful, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
people get really excited when they make a discovery as a result of reading an article in Family Tree Magazine or some resource or tool that we've pointed them to. And one experience that resonates with me in terms of interacting with readers is every Christmas time when we go visit the Anderson Mm -hmm. genealogy group. It used to be at the senior center and now it's at their local library, but um, we get to participate in their Christmas cookie exchange and um, there's always a quiz, Yeah, (laughs) but um, just really getting that one-on-one time with people who know our publication and who are so appreciative of Mm -hmm. us taking the time to share some of our knowledge and inside information with them is always very gratifying. Yeah. That's the, that's what you always hope for is that you're giving someone advice that they're able to take to heart and use. That's our goal. So it's good to know when we have accomplished our goal. Definitely. I think we get that, too, when we go to conferences and in the exhibit hall, people come by Mm -hmm. and tell us, oh, that um, article, I ended up, you know, making this breakthrough um, as a result of that website you pointed us to. That's that's really fun. Or even when they say, hey, wait, you're you're (laughs) the person with that little picture on the editor's note. That's you. And even people will come and say, I recognize your voice. I listen to the podcast. Uh That's really fun as well. Um, We've done some really fun contests. One that sticks out in my mind where we get to see readers, what's kind of going on with their genealogy on the front lines. Early in the magazine, we did this organization contest where people had to show us basically why they needed (laughs) professional help getting their genealogy stuff in order. And the prize was a consultation with a professional genealogist. And so we got all of these great people of really (laughs) people's horrific messes that Mm they um, had accumulated. And the winner, I'll never forget, the reason we picked her was because she was hiding her genealogy mess from her family by storing all of her files in the trunk of her car. And she was saying, please help me. <laughs> so they don't, I, I can't have to come out of the closet or the trunk, if you will, so that I can get this into a usable, workable system and my family won't make me throw it out. That was really funny. It's also... um as I look back on the past 15 years, it's kind of amazing to me like how much genealogy has changed, mm-hmm. but also just our business has changed. Oh, yeah. You know, when we came on and we started doing this, there was a magazine and basically uh-huh. we did six issues and that was kind of it. And we felt busy. We, <laughs> we had an email newsletter and a website. Yeah, of course we did. And we were posting content to the website. I distinctly remember about three weeks after coming on staff, they said, guess what? You're going to be posting content to the website. And I said, I don't have that skill set, but okay. Qualified? Are you sure you want to let me do this? So certainly um, I've come a long way since then. But, um, you know, we were also publishing some books. and But, gosh, if you look at what we're doing now, mm-hmm. it's so much broader and more expansive. Um, it's also really gratifying to be able to take advantage of all the new technologies that have been developed over the past decade and a half um, to bring people information and instruction and inspiration that's really best suited to the way that people 
will best learn. Right. We have people will come up at a conference and they'll want to subscribe and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I still want paper. And that's fine. Like, no need to apologize. (laughs) Because some people, they learn best that way. They want to be able to slowly peruse the magazine and see the way it's presented. Some people want it on their device and they Mm -hmm. can take it anywhere with them and not have, you know, paper to store. So we we want to make things in whatever way people want to have those things. Yeah, I remember when we started doing webinars, I think it was in about five or six years ago, and it was kind of like, wow, we can do things with this medium that mm-hmm. we totally could never do on a printed page, and that was really neat. And now, of course, we have online courses and webinars and um, ebooks and mm-hmm. books and magazines and digital magazines, and I'm sure there will be all kinds of exciting new things in the years to come yeah. that we can't even imagine yet. But it's also striking to me, really, how while all of that has changed, really at the core, what we're doing hasn't changed that much at all. You know, Our mission back in 2000 when we launched was discover, preserve, and celebrate your family history. And I think that, by and large, um, all of the products that we're creating still stays pretty true to that original mission. And I think if if we keep that mission in mind and keep the readers in mind, then I think we'll still be able to fulfill our goal to create things that will help them that they'll keep coming up to us and saying, thank you for putting this information out there. I found my great-great-grandfather. Well, certainly, if we can continue to do that, we will be making good on our promise to all of you, and we hope that you will let us know how we can continue to do that. Best for you, our readers and listeners, and thank you for joining us all on the ride. It's been great catching up with you, Diane. You too. Hi, this is Donna from Bemidji, Minnesota. I've read Family Tree Magazine for many years. I started our genealogy about 35 years ago, and once I found your magazine, my interest really went up. So many great articles over the years, but the 75 best websites were the greatest. Keep them coming. Happy anniversary, Family Tree Magazine. Constance Penser, Winchester, Idaho. I've been reading Family Tree Magazine for many, many years, at least 10, probably longer. I'm a librarian and consider myself pretty research savvy, but your best website issue always contains sites I didn't know existed. And because of those sites, I've been able to make breakthroughs every year that issue has come out. From finding death records in places I didn't know about to discovering collateral information on siblings. Happy anniversary, Family Tree Magazine. I couldn't get through it without you. This is Paula Hudson from Lebanon, Tennessee. I've been reading Family Tree Magazine for all of the 15 years it's been published. The best thing I have learned was to go back and double-check your sources. I've managed to find several relatives that I couldn't find before that way, also by checking their siblings in the census records. And finally, happy anniversary, Family Tree Magazine. I hope you're here for many more years to come.
episode is all about celebrating the first 15 years of Family Tree Magazine, which of course is devoted to helping you with your genealogy research. And I can't think of any better way to kick off this new year and this new episode than to talk about how about 15 powerful tools that have dramatically changed over the past 15 years. And of course, they're still helping us today. Here to share them with us from the brand new article, it's called Power Tools. It's in the January, February 2015 issue of the magazine, is managing editor, Diane Haddad. You know, a lot has changed over the last 15 years, and uh, we're going to be talking with some of the Family Tree Magazine contributors about some of their predictions for the next 15 years. But, you know, let's go back over this article, because not only have you kind of defined the the major areas that we've been working with as genealogists uh, over these last 15 years, but how they've evolved. And really, I think how we can be using them today. What's one of the first ones on your list? The first tool on our list is online census records, which is probably where most people start doing their genealogy research. And they've become so much more widely available over the past 15 years. And so the searches are so sophisticated that that really is a good place for people to start. And then, of course, it gives you that every 10 years picture of your family. Yeah, it's absolutely the go-to. And you can make so much progress pretty quickly when working yeah. the census records. Yeah. And, of course, these have changed a lot. I mean, I remember when we, we first couldn't believe that they would actually finish an entire decade, and now they're they're all out there. Right. And they're redoing them, right? Right. They're, um, the images that you find online are actually images of microfilm, and so um, those are being re-edited so that they're clearer and easier to read. Mm-hmm. And the image viewers that you can use on Ancestry.com and Family Search are just letting people manipulate the images more to move around. And you can change from um, like black on white to white on black. And so that helps you look at the faded text. So it's, it's just becoming easier to find ancestors in the census. And um, because of all the records that are now on Family Search to do it for free, yeah. And you know, that is a great tip. Because if, if you're particularly if you're new to working with census records, um, you know, it really can go from page to page as to whether or not a census is very clear. Mm-hmm. As Diane mentioned, you could go to a negative view. So it changes the black and the white, but sometimes that makes the difference in being able to read them. And, and also, like you listed here in the article that there are so many companies now my heritage, world vital records, find my past, family search, macabre. I mean, all of them putting out census records. And I don't know about you, but I have found that there are times where I have better luck with one versus right. the other, depending on which census I'm looking right. at, just because of the quality of their image. And also, for example, with the 1940 census, there were three, I believe, different companies doing their own indexes. So it even might be helpful mm-hmm. to, um, to search on different sites because the the transcriptions that um, the indexers did might be slightly different. Yeah, the more the better. <laughs> yeah. Now, I see that the second power tool that you have listed here is crowdsourced databases. What do you mean by that? Those are the um, indexes to record sets that volunteers around the country, around the world, are working together on to make 
those records searchable. So the 1940 census, going back to that, that um, Family Search organized that whole volunteer indexing project, and in a matter of months had the entire census indexed, so it would be searchable on FamilySearch.org. Ancestry.com has a program, um, the World Archives Project, I believe that um, uh-huh. is organizing volunteers to index records. And then even the Smithsonian and the National Archives are getting in on the act with having um, people who are just history buffs, you know, all around the world looking at records and then um, tagging them with search terms to make it easier for people to find them and then also do creating indexes so that the words on the records will be searchable. Yeah, and, and if you if you're interested in getting involved and kind of pitching in, and we all benefit, uh, do check out this article because Diane has some websites and the web addresses to go to where you can uh, request to get involved as a volunteer. Now, of course, I think probably one of the most dramatically changing areas over the last 15 years, certainly, is DNA. Uh, Talk a little bit about that. That's almost becoming a must-do for people now who are um, trying to answer really hard genealogy questions. If you've done, you know, as much paper research as you can... DNA is providing a way for people to find out answers. And I don't know if you remember a long time ago at conferences, they would actually draw blood to to test people's (laughs) DNA. Now all you have to do is swish mouthwash and send it in. Um, so that's, that has changed. And then with this new development, the ancestry circles where they're, um, creating groups of people whose DNA results to the autosomal test indicate that they match the same ancestor so that those Mm -hmm. people can then make connections in their group. And you can actually isolate the DNA profile of the ancestor, making it easier for other people to, to, you know, to connect to that person. It's just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want more information about DNA, even beyond what goes, they talk about in this article, uh, check out our podcast episode from 2014. I'll have a link in the show notes for you that was completely dedicated to DNA and had a lot of great experts on it. Um, I think that one is definitely a must listen. Now we've talked about the first three power tools in our list here. And I want to jump ahead because there's kind of a favorite one uh, that I spotted that I wanted to talk about, which is digitized books and newspapers. Boy, talk about some changes over the last 15 years. Yeah. Yep. You used to have to go to the library and find the microfilm for the newspaper. And of course, they weren't indexed. So you would just search you know, around the date you thought you might find something and just you know read the microfilm. And now with so many digitized newspapers and books going online, you type in your search terms and then you look through the newspaper online. It makes it so much easier and faster. And I think that newspapers and old books are really... Um, the places where you can find the stories about your ancestors and get the detail that can really answer some some questions that you might have. Absolutely. And I think, um, of course, Google Books is a prime example of a an online free website where you can read actual digitized books. And, and as you mentioned, Diane, um, they have those old stories. And I think it's a perfect place to go because they tend to focus on those public domain books, mm-hmm. the books prior to 1923. So there, you know, old county histories are a, a perfect example of the kind of book that Google Books would have gone after at the various libraries where they're doing their digitization. And, and of course, all those search tips 
and uh, tricks that we use in our regular Google search can also be used at Google Books uh-huh. um, because it's the same search engine. Right. So you got to love that. Um, one of my favorites is when I go into Google Books, I'll um, put quotation marks around some phrase that I've just got to have in my results. And I also like using... Um, just adding the word genealogy or right. adding a couple of terms that kind of help those types of books come to the top of the mm-hmm. list. So uh, great examples. Well, you've got a lot of tools here, 15 different power tools that have certainly evolved over time. And Diane's got all the latest information on them from social networking to uh, maps to optical character recognition. I mean, I can only imagine in 15 years what the next article is going to yeah. look like. Yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Diane, before I let you go, I got to ask you about this 15 fabulous family tree tools. Talk about tools. There's a big sweepstakes going on. Tell us all the details. Yeah, we wanted to celebrate the 15th anniversary of the magazine by giving away a tool per year of the magazine. Um, these are all things that we think will be incredibly helpful for genealogists who are um, wanting advice on how to research their family history. So, um, for example, number one is our 15 years of Family Tree Magazine DVD that's brand new, and it has every issue that we've done from um, December 2014 on back. So that wow. is that very, it's all searchable. Um, it's, it's PDF. So very handy for people to have. We have our um, dating old photos, cheat sheets, state and city genealogy guides, our historical maps books. So people can, um, when they go to enter, they will find um, the entire list of from the prize package and the website First, I'll do the deadline. That's February 28th, 2015. So um, people want to get out there and enter. And the website is bit.ly slash 15-fabulous-tools. And, of course, that'll be in the show notes so people can just click on it and go to enter. Yeah, absolutely. Guess what, folks? The sweepstake prize is the value is $479. (laughs) So this one is definitely (laughs) worth um, entering. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And we've got lots of great contributors to talk to next about uh, what's coming in the future, the next 15 years. But Diane, thank you so much for covering where we've been and also uh, getting the word out on this great Speed Sticks. You're welcome. My hometown is Hamilton near Toronto. I've read Family Tree Magazine for about a dozen years. And the best thing that I've learned from Family Tree Magazine is to think laterally, to find those collaterally. By that I mean working and finding the collateral uh, connections to my main family line. Happy anniversary, Family Tree Magazine. Hi, my name is Jill, and I am from Spokane, Washington, and I've been reading Family Tree Magazine for approximately 10 years, and I think the best thing I've learned was regarding pension records. I found my great-great-grandfather through my great-great-grandmother when she applied for his pension, and his last name was spelled differently from my great-grandfather's, so that was huge, finding it. it. They added an S to the end of the name. So that was a real big breakthrough for me, and so now I'm always looking at the last name 
because there's so many variations in spellings. But Family Tree Magazine is an invaluable source of information, and I've learned so much it's hard to pinpoint one thing. So happy anniversary, Family Tree Magazine. I couldn't do it without you. Thank you. Hello. My name is Megan Heil. My hometown is Holland, Michigan, home of the Tulip Time Festival. I've been reading Family Tree Magazine since the year 2000. There were two things that I learned from Family Tree Magazine, or tips if you wish to call them. One, somebody had written in it saying that sometimes our ancestors don't want to be found. So trying to locate them now may not be the right time, but they may show up later down the road. And also, never believe everything you read on the Internet and believe everything you read on the Internet because you need to go back and check your sources. Those have been very helpful hints for me from the very beginning. Happy anniversary, Family Tree Magazine. Well, since we're celebrating the 15th anniversary of Family Tree Magazine, looking back through the years, I thought it would be fun to also look forward. And so I've invited some of our most popular Family Tree Magazine writers and contributors to peer into the future, look into their crystal ball, and tell us 15 years from now what resources or advancements that they think will have changed genealogy. First up is author and contributing editor David Frixell. Well, you know, we have spent the last 15 years or so at Family Tree Magazine warning people against the dangers of pedigree files, that is, just sort of blindly downloading and using information that other people may or may not have researched or guessed and using them as though they're actual facts. And I think one of the biggest changes we'll see in the next 15 years is we'll begin to see pedigree files that you can trust, at least to the extent that they have actual data. That is, I think we'll see emerging of pedigree files and real research, which we're seeing a little bit already now in sites like uh, MyHeritage and Ancestry and FamilySearch, where, for example, on MyHeritage already you can go on and if you upload your family tree file, it will go out and search and find possible record matches for you. So I think that's really one of the places where the future lies. That is, that Finding other people's data will have more value than just providing clues for you because it will be more often linked with facts and, and automatically linked, that is. It's, I think a lot of this is going to be happening. Well, you may still have to confirm it and that sort of thing. What's really going, exciting is the possibility for sort of a global family tree where all of our data is kind of in the cloud and it's all matching up with other people's data but it's not just, oh, you know, this family legend. It's here's my data and here's the census finds that prove it and all these matches that have been made automatically sort of by computers in the cloud. So maybe that means life will be easier for genealogists. I don't know. Maybe it could be that we'll be, you know, missing out on some of the fun of making those discoveries um, ourselves. But I think that in the future that, that the computing power combined with, the availability of data online combined with these uploaded family tree charts, I see some way that those will all be coming together and making sort of an automatic uh, genealogy. I hope that doesn't leave us at Family Tree Magazine out of a job and uh, just having to say, oh, well, just click here and it will be all be done for you. But 
Well, we've got 15 years to worry about it. Next, we have our own photo detective, Maureen Taylor, with her thoughts on the next 15 years. You know, it's hard to think about, you think about the past, because of course, Family Tree Magazine's been around for 15 years, and where we were 15 years ago, and where we are today, and of course, I, I like to think in fa- terms of family photographs. So facial recognition is improving all the time. And what I think will happen is when you're on a website like eBay, for instance, you can set up a series of alerts or watch lists where you say, I'm looking for this particular person. Wouldn't it be fun in 15 years to be able to actually post a picture of someone and say, I want to find other photographs of this person and put them as a sort of picture watch list a, a facial using facial recognition? And, and sure, you can do some of that now with, you know, as you know, Lisa, with Google, but you don't always end up with exact matches. But with biometrics improving all the time, I think it's possible. Next up is the family curator and author of How to Archive Family Keepsakes, Denise Levenick. Oh, I'm looking deep and dark into my crystal ball. And I think there's going to be a lot of changes. There's been so many in the past 15 years. There's got to be many, many more in the future. I think um, the the concept of the one world family tree and DNA are going to change the way people approach genealogy. In fact, this generation that starts out, this generation of genealogists that has started out with a paper trail and then moved into the digital world and to DNA to validate what they've discovered, might be the last generation that starts genealogy with paper. And talking about paper, I think in 15 years, there's not going to be much around. All the little bits of family ephemera that now we are dealing with with our parents and aging family members, I think it's going to become less and less. It just won't be there. So it could be highly collectible. It could be, you know, the kind of stuff that puts your kid through college, just to have your grandparents' yearbook or some love letters from World War II or World War I. Civil War letters will be really old. People who are so eager to digitize now and get rid of that paper, they might be sorry in the long run. I think we maybe we should hold on to that ephemera as evidence of our family. Next up is author and Family Tree University instructor, Lisa Alzo. Well, I think it's going to be an exciting time, and I think we're already seeing it, but I think three main areas. I I definitely see advancements in DNA testing because it's come a long way. Genetics has come a long way, and I think we're going to see hopefully more collaborative efforts and easier ways to Uh, understand and interpret and get our results. The second area I see is uh, uh, crowdsourcing and uh, really helping each other out because with social media now, it's it's really uh, become a, a place to get answers. And I, I see that uh, I specialize in Eastern European genealogy and it's even coming in to my area where Hey, can you translate this document? Hey, can you can you do this? I, I see 15 years from now, it's going to be 
even even bigger and, and easier to crowdsource. I also think the third area is, is genealogy education, how we're learning to do research and how we're learning new technologies and how we're interacting. I, I see more online, more virtual. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think the traditional conference format will go away, but I think I think we're going to see even a bigger explosion in video and audio learning and things that are quick, getting the answers very quickly and, and finding anything that we want being uh, taught online. And now let's hear what contributing editor Sonny Morton has to say about what she thinks is coming for genealogists in the next 15 years. So I could say a lot about online access and collaboration and technology, including DNA. Um, but I would like to comment on something I hope will change within 15 years and something I hope will not change. I hope that in 15 years, I will be fully synced across all my commercial genealogy platforms. That's a tricky hope because the different platforms don't want their sources or even their member submitted data to leave their sites. But wouldn't it be great if I had one place for my master tree on my computer, so it's in my control to save and back up, but it would automatically sync to my trees at all the major genealogy websites, so that whenever I updated my home tree with any new find, whatever automated hinting system is at online at each site would kick into high gear so that my new find would sort of have this pinball effect back and forth between the sites to generate a fresh round of leads for me at every site I'm working at. So one thing that I don't think will change in 15 years is old school research keys. Even if we do have online access to a lot more materials, research skills are still the foundation of what we do. And the industry is growing, which means that we're gonna have more genealogy cooks in the kitchen comparing recipes. And so I think that will really push us to have better quality recipes and ingredients in our research. We have so many ways now to learn how to research. In the past, to become really good at genealogy, you had to be schooled by a top genealogist in person because that's how the skill is passed on. Well, now we can do that through conferences. Our top-notch experts now travel to so many places, and there's so many more experts, and they reach a lot wider audiences through webinars, virtual conferences, online classes, and more. It really is possible to live hundreds of miles from a major genealogy research center and still become an excellent researcher. So that's what I see in 15 years. My name is Jacqueline Rottinger. I'm living in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I've um, been reading Family Tree Magazine for about three years, and the best thing I liked uh, that I got from the magazine were the um, military service and pension worksheets and the land records worksheets, which I used uh, when I went to research at the National Archives. It was great to have all my information condensed uh, for filling out the forms when I got there and even before. So thank you very much, Family Tree Magazine. Happy anniversary. My name is Ron Leaf. I'm from Shorewood, Minnesota. I've been reading Family Tree Magazine since 2001. I read uh, a story that a reader shared in Family Tree Magazine in the Everything's Relative column 
about the reader's discovery of a family connection in Quebec. It turned out that her grandmother's surname that she was researching was the same as my wife's grandmother. I was able to locate and connect with the reader, and she shared with me uh, documents that she obtained from that research that she shared in the story that contained over 350 years of ancestors uh, from that particular location. So I got to meet a distant cousin and got good information for our family ancestry. Thanks, and happy anniversary, Family Tree Magazine. My name is Sharon Hoydahl. I live in Aurora, Colorado. I've read Family Tree Magazine for about 13 years, although I've learned many things from Family Tree Magazine. The best tip I appreciate is the one given to contact local libraries and local genealogical societies. In this way, I was able to know my great-grandmother's name. She died when my grandmother was only an infant, and my grandmother died before I was born, and living family did not know my great-grandmother's name. I was able to contact a local library who had an obituary for my great-grandfather, which gave the name of my great-grandmother as his first wife. Once I had that information, I located the cemetery where she was buried, learning there was no headstone there. Other family and I then had a headstone carved for her, and my husband and I then traveled to the cemetery to see it placed. It was a moving experience to finally know her name, and in many ways to know her, and it seemed that the 110 years that had passed since her death were made sacred in that one moment. Thank you so much, Family Tree, for emphasizing that local societies and local libraries are a wealth of information and full of people who are willing to help. So, happy anniversary, Family Tree Magazine. Thanks so much for joining me for this January 2015 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. You can head to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast to find the show notes for this episode. And those will include everything that we've talked about, including the details on the 15 fabulous Family Trees tool sweepstakes. Again, Thanks for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcast, The Genealogy Gems Podcast, which is also available for free through iTunes, and there's an app for that. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.